Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. Alan and I are pumped and ready for this morning. We're excited to talk to you. And whenever you're listening to this, we hope that it's a blessing to you. And uh, Alan and I want you to know that we do this because we care about you. We want you to do well. We want you to experience all of God's blessings in your ministry and in your church. And so, Alan, what are we going to talk about today as we start this off? Well, you know, Trent, we listen to a lot of other podcasts as well, though this is the most important podcast. And so if you listen to this, one, please, <laughs> yeah. um, please pass that on and, sh- and share that with, with someone else. Um, but I was just listening to one. I was drawn to some things about communication, and it began to just kind of kick around in my mind about some areas where we constantly need to be vigilant um, regarding uh, communication. And we always need to be seeking to become better communicators um, than we were. You know, I think if if we rely on a seminary education to be all that we ever learned about how to communicate, we're, we're in trouble. So it's important for us to get better and constantly um, improve in, in these areas of communication. So I'm excited to talk about this today because you and I like to talk. And because <laughs> of that, this is right, right up our alley. Yes, it's true. Yeah, and we're going to – and we – Alan and I, are, we're always working on this. Um, I don't know if it's practice or, or whatever, but we're, we're always talking. And so uh, we're working on communicating, and we want to help you to learn how to do that better today. So, so Alan, the first thing in our note that you have today is, um, is in our preaching that we've got to work on, on that and constantly work on communication, right? Yeah, if we if we're not working on our on our preaching, we we are doing our church a disservice. And you know, we're, we're we've never been ones to tell you exactly how you should preach. You know, I know uh, many of our seminaries right now are kind of proposing a certain model. Um, we we are certainly more diverse in our our models of preaching and are supportive of a, a multitude of models of preaching as far as the how you do it. But the question is, are you getting better um, in your preaching? Are you work working on that so you know times have changed the packaging is different mm-hmm. today in preaching than it used to be yeah that's true you know and you were saying that now some seminaries are proposing a standard of preaching and i would say they they kind of did that even when we, you and i were in seminary um you know that's the old um three points in a poem kind of thing but um, there's uh. We, we mentioned in one of our previous episodes um, when we talked about exegeting your audience, I think that's a big thing to think about as we think about communicating to our congregation, that we need to know what type of communication helps them to understand what God has led us to share with them. And so I, I think that's a, a big deal for us to think about as we preach. Yeah, and one of the things that you're hearing hearing is the need to really engage more than just the mind um, with our messages. And I find that to be a little bit of a challenge and something that I, I have to think, what does it mean to engage uh, more than the mind? I mean, when you hear that, Trent, what, what kind of comes to you? Well, you, I think when you say that, I think that we want to help people to see that there's something practical that they can take away from what we're talking about. And as we communicate with them, um, is there something that they can do, put feet to, you know, so it's not just a mental ascent. It's a, you know, Hey, this is, I can put hands and feet to something that my pastor has shared with me today. 
Yeah, I think uh, the application, the emphasis on experience and application is, is certainly a part of that. I think, too, you know, one of the things that, that I think in, in preaching is, is that people really want you to, to get down beyond their mind to their heart. And mm. it's the heart that leads to life change. If we don't, if we only touch the mind, um, we're, we're really not going to see true change. And so, you know, the ability to, to touch the touch the heart. But it's important for us to remember that our sermons can't just be information. They have to be um, information plus application, information plus the story. Why is this important? And people need to know the why. You know, when I first started a coaching runners, Trent, something that was, was interesting is um, I started getting buying running movies to show my team. And there was a faith-based running movie where a coach comes in, um, a young coach, and she she's obviously the star of the of the show, but her kids keep asking her why she's doing this, and she refuses to tell them and just says, "Trust me, trust me, trust me," and and won't ever tell them. And as a coach, it drove me crazy. I never wanted to show that movie to the to my to my students because I think the why is a good question. And I don't think God has ever discouraged us from asking why. He says, now, you can ask why, but I still want you to trust me. But it's okay to ask why. And I, I think it's important for us to answer the why question. Yeah, I think you're right, Alan. It, it, you know, there's a balance between the, the, um, the knowledge or the, you know, speaking to our brains and giving some information and the emotion of the heart. And, and that motivates people, I think. Uh, a lot of times is giving them the emotion, the the heart matters. And what you said about sharing the story, I, I really think that's important because when I first started out as a college minister, I was a BSU director in West Texas. And one of um, a good friend's buddy young, everybody thought we were brothers, but we're not. Uh, he's way older than me. And I hope <laughs> that. But anyway, he would tell me, he said, don't, don't get hung up on the statistics tell the stories. And I, I really think that's true, you know, in, not only in giving reports to people, but also sharing a sermon. We can share statistics, but if we miss the story and if we miss the heart issue, then we, we, we probably won't get them motivated to do anything with that information. Yeah, so one of the things that I try to do every year, Trent, is just read a book, read a new book on preaching just to absorb and you know i recognize that probably 90 percent of what i get i'm already going to have heard somewhere else before um but it's that 10 percent. and if you grew 10 percent in your preaching ability every year um, you would certainly be an expert in that after after several years and so it's important it's important for us to grow in our preaching but it's also important to grow in how we communicate um, with our leadership whether that be staff or, or lay leaders correct Oh, yeah. You know, those are the people, if if they don't know what's going on in your heart and mind, if they don't know the vision that you have, they're, they're not going to be able to be supportive of that. And so I, I agree, Alan, that it's really important uh, to be able to communicate and communicate well. That's that. I think you've got to know them well enough to understand maybe their learning style, you know, what type of person they are. Um, if they're a person that needs to be walking while they're while they're listening to be able to hear, then go for a walk and talk to them. You know, if they're a person that needs to sit in front of you and see your face, then do that. You know, so 
got, got to get to know those people. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of communicating is not just as talking, it's also the listening aspect. And I, I would venture that many of us, especially when we were younger in ministry, our number one failing in, in communicating with our, our leadership was our inability to listen more so than our ability to communicate our own vision and plan. Yeah, you're right. Um, to be able to hear what's on their hearts and minds. Um, think about, uh, I know that Alan, you have Luke who is um, associate pastor and works with your youth and music. Um, I have Kelly that is on my staff and does that same type of ministry to be able to hear from those guys and, and to let them know that you value them, that you honor them by taking time to listen to their ideas. Uh, that's huge. And I think it goes a long way in them listening to you as well. Yes. And, and also to, to be able to let them bring criticism to you in areas where you can do better. And I'm, I'm grateful that we've had those conversations um, where Luke has noticed something or Deanna has noticed something that I could do better. And I, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But there always comes a point in time where you have to have a very sensitive um, conversation. And when I was young, I tried to handle those from the pulpit um, mm -hmm. or I tried to handle those in mass. Um, and that is path called being passive aggressive. It's not a good plan. The more, the more sensitive the issue, um, the more direct you need to be. And that's just an important principle. So if you've got a, a leadership issue and there's a specific person and your first thought is, I want to address this with the whole group, um, I encourage you to, to be very careful um, in that, you know, and be more direct in that. It's not easy and it's not fun, but it's right. And so, again, just remember the more sensitive the conversation, the more direct uh, you, you need to be with someone in that. Yeah. And that leads us to the next one, which is in our written communication. And this, you mentioned that you had to learn the hard way on sharing, you know, sensitive things. I did the same thing and because I would tend to send a letter when I didn't want to confront someone or, uh, and almost always that blew up in my face. Uh, instead of having a face-to-face -face conversation I would send a, an email or a letter and that would, it didn't turn out well. So what you said is absolutely true. The more sensitive that you need to be in front of them and, and to communicate your heart with them. Uh, you know, I've been in two fields where occasionally I'll get a cantankerous email. Um, you know, as a pastor, we all get them. Um, they may not, the frequency can, can vary from church to church and pastor to pastor, but I've also been a coach. I, I can, I can get them on two fronts and I've had weeks where I've gotten one as a coach and I've gotten one as a pastor and it's, it's not a lot of fun. And your first thing is you want to address all of them. Um, you know, the, the, uh, there was once a parent who was upset about something and started sending me some emails and I said, you know what, I've got their phone number. I'm going to call them and handle this directly. And, um, I don't know that it was completely to, to either of our full satisfaction, um, but at least there's not anything floating around out there that is on my end that makes me look bad. And once you, once you hit send on an email, it takes on a life all its own. And so you have to remember that. So be careful in your emails. Be careful in your whole church communications um, with the things you send out to the, to the entire church. Um, you know, think before you hit send. And, 
just such an important important principle um, for all of us because email email becomes a permanent record of that conversation. That's also true, Alan, on our social media, um, things that we post maybe on Facebook, Instagram, um, those things stay out there and can bite you in the rear later on. And well, uh, so. Yeah, let's talk about that one, Trent, because we've, we've seen that. I mean, you and I have watched, you, you and I are pretty, we, we really don't post just a ton on social media if it's not a word of encouragement or, or anything like that. Um, but we have certainly watched things implode um, with church leaders over the last year on, on social media. So, I mean, what are some of the thoughts that you have with what you've observed in the last year? Well, I will tell you, and, and I've, I've made this mistake before, but um, being political in our posts, um, especially on Facebook, social media, things like that, can really... It, it doesn't necessarily have a place in our, for our whole church. I, I've recognized this, that, that there are people on all the political spectrum in my church and probably in your church as well, Alan. And, and so, you know, we can come down hard on one side of a political issue and to the detriment of the relationship with the other people in our church. And so I, that's an area that I'm, I have had to learn the hard way and uh, be careful with. Yeah, I know a lot of pastors say, well, I'm entitled to my own political opinions, and you certainly are. But the very second you take the leadership of a church, you're also responsible um, to guard the gospel, guard what's been entrusted to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a biblical concept. And so you have to be careful with what you um, put out there on, on social media. Um, there have been a couple of times I've made maybe a little dig at a, at a sports team for a decision they've made. And I've tried, I've even, I've even gotten to the point where I don't even like to do that anymore. You know, I, I, if I, if I don't have something positive to say, I try, I try not to say it, you know, and the Bible tells us, you know, use your words to edify, use your words to, to build up. And there are a lot of Christian leaders that are out there, big names. I've got their books on my shelf and there's several of them that I'll probably never read their books again, just because I, I don't appreciate, I just don't appreciate how they handle their social media, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't like, I don't, I don't like it when you stir, stir up trouble. I also don't like it when you uh, talk about how hypocritical everyone else is and how unhypocritical you are, because that's usually a sign of hypocrisy. And, and so I don't yeah. like, I don't like seeing that go, go back and forth. And so, you know, but do remember this pastors too. Um, you know, if you're a young pastor, you're aspiring to go into ministry or, or whatever, your posts stay there. And you may think even if you deleted one that no one will ever know, but you never know if someone took a screenshot of that. Uh, they, you've seen that, we've seen that with some athletes and actors who have posted things uh, years ago um, that have, have cost them jobs later in life because they, because they had that particular social media post. So guard, guard your social media and communicate better. Use it to communicate to the good. You know, don't, don't let trolls, don't let trolls dictate your day. I mean, it's yeah. just not, not, yeah. not worth it. Yeah, reacting instead of acting is always a, a recipe for disaster. And, and so, um, you know, 
what Alan, you had put on our note is so true, both not only in uh, emails and letters, you can't unsend, you also can't unpost. And, and so keep that in mind. And, you know, the Bible tells us that we will be known that we belong to Jesus by our love for one another, not by our political stance or not by our anger toward one another. And so it's really important, you know, use, just as Alan said, use your communication as a, an, a vehicle for love to communicate encouragement and love to other people. Yeah, Trent, we might add to here with social media, social media becomes a little bit weird from the standpoint too, where the other three that we talked about are typically people you're even closer with. But on social media, what we tend to do is we tend to buddy up with people who have similar ideologies, but become a little bit more diverse. Um, I would encourage you, if you're a pastor, you know, remember that there are people in your community as well who have a completely different opinion about matters. And don't silence them on your social media. You know, don't, don't censor them because they don't agree with you. Now, you know, I, I know there's a difference. We, we did a Facebook ad campaign not, not long ago. And, you know, if someone says, well, I just don't like Creekside, well, they're entitled to their opinion. Um, but there was someone who posted a very offensive thing about how churches are the source of all bombings in the world and every bad thing's happened because, because of God and, and, and all this. And I did a quick look at his, his, uh, at his uh, Facebook page. I'm not even sure it was the person's real name. It looked like it was kind of a ghost page. And he does this. This is all, all this person does. And so I blocked them and I deleted them. Don't be afraid to block that type of person but also don't censor someone just because they disagree with you. And so yeah. I think those are some good principles as well. Well, and, you know, if it's possible too, this is an area where having that direct face-to-face -face conversation, if someone posts something that, you know, on your Facebook page or whatever that is in your community, that's a great opportunity to go have a conversation and listen, as Alan said before. Um, let them share their story. Let them share their heartaches. There's a reason for the the beliefs that they have. And so I, I think that's a, a good opening for some ministry. I think you're right. So there's one more area. So we've talked about in our preaching. We've talked about in our leadership. We've talked about in written communication, like our emails and our social media. But Trent, there's one other place where we need to grow in our communication. It's probably the area we take the least effort to grow in of all these areas, and that's in our homes. Mm, yeah, that is really true, Alan, and I'm glad that you included that because you're right. We take we take our spouses for granted. Well, they're going to be there, you know, and and we we spew all of our frustration with all the other areas of our lives. They have to take that. Plus, they also end up taking all the frustration from our church members as well. Um, and so this is an area where we should grow in our ability to communicate um, and, and to communicate positively in with our with our spouses, first of all. And if you have children, uh, man, that's a big deal, too. Yeah, we don't want to give them what's what's left of ourselves. Just like that's true, you know, if you come in and you're tired and your kids want to play, you got to find a way to play, right? Um, mm -hmm. um, I don't have kids at home anymore, but I have a puppy who who <laughs> deserves and desires and 
pretty much demands um, time. Mm-hmm. And you've got to give some. You, 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 just, you just can't ig- ignore that. And Trent, you, you mentioned too, when we talk about communication, you talk about there's, there's one way that communication should happen. And it's probably too, true in all these areas, but certainly needs to be true, true in home. And, and what's that, that emotional base um, for communication that's so important? Well, and, you know, Alan and I both, we had kids at home. Um, and so this is some lessons we had to learn, but to communicate love first before frustration and disappointment. Um, I think that's a, that's a really important thing for us to communicate it and to communicate that in ways that they understand. What is the love language of your kids? Um, and I had to learn that um, the hard way. I <laughs> didn't do it very well sometimes, but communicate in their love language that you love them no matter what. And then you can have the ability to share in a healthy way, maybe frustration or disappointment or and sometimes even anger um, about a situation. But you always love that person, love that child. Yeah, it's, it's just important, important to, to, to kind of know how to do that. You know, my I've got a, a daughter who was a college athlete, but now she's out of college. She's trying to trying to do life and trying to get do jobs and 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 relationship stuff. She's married, um, but she's been trying to get back into running after a year of really not being asked to as she had been. And so I know she enjoys gifts. And so last week I bought her a pair of shoes, you know, so that was just a, just a thing to try to encourage her um, and, and be there for her news that her shoes were, had kind of run themselves out. And so just trying to encourage her uh, along the way. My other, my other daughter lives closer to me. And so, you know, last week she and I went and bought flowers together. Um, she's got some, some flower pots that she wanted, wanted help um, putting flowers together and, and, and things like that. And so we, we spent that time together. And so, you know, our kids, our kids even when they're adults, still need um, communication from us. And I'm not the best. I'm not nearly as good as their mom at texting with them. Um, so I have to find the other what things that I can can do well um, to be involved in their lives, and they need they need to know even even as adult kids that that I love them. Yeah, I, and I think there's a lot of pastors, Alan, that are in our same phase of life. Just looking at the statistics of where pastors are, that you know that they have grown kids. And so let me just say to you, if you're in that phase that Alan and I are in, to make sure and take advantage of the opportunities given to you. Um, You may not, um, just like Alan and I, we have kids that are a long ways away. And so when you have opportunities to spend time with them or to communicate with them, make sure and take advantage of that opportunity. Don't push them away and say you're too busy. Make time. Uh, to continue those relationships with those kids. And I will say also, uh, don't lose the opportunity to communicate with your spouse. Um, Alan and I, we're still working on having date nights with our, with our wives. And, and uh, we have, Dana and I have two for Tuesdays. Tuesdays nights are our, our date time together. And we go out and, and take time to communicate. So I think those are important too. Yeah, ours have been walking the dog lately. Now that the weather's nice and uh, yeah. and, and all that, we we go out, and we take him for a walk, and we we talk about things and and uh, share some of the some of the thoughts from our day. And 
and we have a wonderful time together. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's cooking a meal together. Uh, when we were first married, Trent, it was doing dishes together because we had at one of those, you know, in a seminary house, we had a single sink. And yes. so you would have to soap everything up and then rinse everything and, and no dishwasher. And so that was, that was, um, communication time. So if you were kind of squabbling with each other, you had to find a way to talk because it really just was not fun to do that in silence. And so taught <laughs> us some, taught us some, some good lessons there. I guess that's why they had the single sink in the, in those places. Yeah. I thought it was just because they were cheap, but yeah, yeah that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> Well, um, you know, as we're talking through this, Alan, I just want to remind everyone that communication is always uh, an important thing and that we always need to be growing in this. And any time that there is a lapse in communication, things will always tend toward the negative. And so this is an area that is so important to grow in, to continue to develop your skills and to take time to communicate with those around you. Absolutely. And so, you know, five areas to improve your com communication, be a learner, continue to be a student. It is so important in our, in our lives and in our ministries that we be continual learners. And so five areas to improve your communication in your preaching, in your leadership, in your written communication, in your social media, and in your homes. And so we hope that's been a help to you today. And we certainly hope if it has, that you will pass that on to someone else. But perhaps your church needs a little bit more. Maybe you need to talk with someone. Maybe your church could use a general consultation to figure out where you're at. How do you move forward in the post-pandemic world? Uh, Trent and I want you to know that we are here for you. You can reach, reach us on our Facebook page, on our website at EnduringChurches.com. And then you can reach us at either Alan or Trent. Um, and then at EnduringChurches.Consulting. And so we would love to talk with you come alongside you, help you in your efforts to revitalize your church. And so um, we are so grateful that you take time to listen. Trent, do you have any final words? No, I appreciate that you all take time to listen to us. And um, we do want to be there for you. That's the reason we do this podcast, the reason we make ourselves available. And so please uh, recognize that if you have issues that you need help with, man, you're not the only one. All of us pastors need some encouragement and need some help at some time or another. So we're here for you, and we really do appreciate that you would take time today to listen to the Enduring Churches podcast. So God bless you. Hope to see you next time on our next episode.